This morning our text is a special one for Presbyterians because the seal and the symbol of the Southern Southern Presbyterian Church was for a couple centuries taken from these chapters. The Southern Presbyterian Church used to have a symbol of a burning bush. And on top of the burning bush of a dove with outspread, ring, outspread wings. The burning bush, symbolic of God, the unique God of Holy Scripture. The dove, symbolic of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his church. So let's turn to the third chapter of Genesis. And stand as we read it, please. Exodus, uh, did I say Genesis? Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings, for I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with you. 
and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will pay heed to what you say. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with me. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. You may be seated. Remember where we are now in this historical narrative? Last week we studied about the preparation of Moses for leadership in, uh, of the people of God. And we saw how God prepared him. God prepared him by a loving, devout mother who provided him with the best of home education Christian education. He was educated by the, in the best schools and by the best teachers in Egypt. And then he was taught by the godly man Jethro some of the most important lessons that he had to learn. Now we're going to see uh, God call Moses to a particular mission. Now, before we look at the specifics of this, this passage is very instructive for us. 
You know, in the first chapter of Hebrews, it says that in long ago, in former times, uh, God revealed himself in many ways and in many portions. But in these last days, he has revealed himself to us in his Son. So all the Bible is the Word of God. Everything in the Bible is equally the Word of God. But there are differences. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself to his people in a variety of ways. We're just going to rehearse some of those ways today. But then when the Lord Jesus Christ came, who is the Word of God in human flesh, God began to reveal himself in a consummate way, in a supreme way, more glorious than all the various revelations in the Old Testament. Consider for a moment some of the ways God revealed himself in the Old Testament. He revealed himself in the angel of the Lord. And we've seen many times that the angel of the Lord was the Son of God in a pre-incarnate state. That sometimes he would be addressed as God. Other times he would speak to God. And so he was the Son of God in a pre-incarnate condition. And what he spoke was the very word of God itself. And then God revealed himself by the glory cloud. Remember the glory cloud? That bright, fiery pillar, that bright uh, visualization of the glory of God in all its splendor, that great fiery pillar that led the children of Israel uh, through the wilderness at night that sometimes filled the Holy of Holies. God revealed himself through that glory cloud. Other times, God revealed himself uh, by the name of Jehovah. We're going to come back to that in a minute. God gave his name to his people, and that was a powerful revelation. And then, interestingly enough, uh, there's another way God revealed himself to man the Old Testament, and that is by his face. Now, it doesn't say face in English, but that's what it says in Hebrew. By God's countenance, you can tell what's on God's mind by his countenance. Uh, is there a smile on his face? Is there a frown on his face? So God, by his powerful presence and countenance, revealed what was going on in his heart. And then, as we will see today, God revealed himself in a burning bush. I like to imagine what it looked like. Here out in Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, was this little green bush on fire. And it was not being consumed by the fire. 
The fire was not of earthly origin. It was a little bush, not very spectacular bush, and it was in full blaze. I wonder why God revealed himself like that. But it may be because he's teaching Israel the relationship of himself to Israel. God's relationship to Israel is, Israel is this little bush, this little insignificant bush on rocky soil set ablaze by the presence of Almighty God and still not consumed by that presence. Now let's talk for a good while about the name of God. Let's go back and look at these verses. God sending Moses to Pharaoh, to preach to Pharaoh, most powerful man in the world. How would you like to have to preach to Pharaoh? Preach to Pharaoh and then to preach to Israel. And uh, Moses said, well, that's good, but when I go to preach to Pharaoh and to Israel, who do I tell sent me? Uh, what's the name of this God? When they ask me, what's the name of the God you serve? Because there's a lot of gods around here, you know. Egypt had all kinds of gods. This talks about the Hittites. And the Hittites were known as a, God, uh, as a people of a thousand gods. They had their own gods, and then whenever they conquered another country, they adapted their gods to their own wor uh, worship. So Moses says, uh, who should I tell has sent me? I need, I need a business card. If I'm going to go in the presence of Pharaoh and he asks me who sent me, I've got to hand him a, a business card that's going to impress him. There's got to be a name on that business card that will, will draw out Pharaoh's attention. Well, let's see what happened. In verse 13, and Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What's his name? So Pharaoh is not only going to ask me what his name, God, my God's name is. Children of Israel are going to ask me, what's the name of this God that you claim to you come to preach in the name of? What do I say to them? Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, when they ask you who sent you, tell them, I am has sent me to you. And, further, and, and God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, now underneath that word Lord, when you see it in the New American Standard Version, in four capitalized letters, 
means that underneath that word is the name of God, Yahweh. Y-A-H-W-E-H. Or we call it Jehovah. So whenever you see the word Lord in four capitalized letters, under in the New American Standard Version, underneath that word in Hebrew is the name Jehovah. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. My name's never going to change. My name is Jehovah, and Jehovah means I am who I am. Now, what does God mean when he calls himself? I am who I am. All kinds of things. You can translate that phrase, Jehovah, in a variety of ways. I am who I am, and that's the way I'm going to be forever. I am who I am. Uh... And I most certainly am. I am who I am, and I will never change. I am who I am, and I stand in need of nothing I have made. So there's several words that, and ideas that go with the word Jehovah. Jehovah is a God that speaks. That's one distinguishing factor of Jehovah. He's talking to Moses. This is a God who is personal. You can talk to him. He can talk to you. He uses words and sentences that both he and you understand what they mean. The idea of freedom or sovereignty goes with Jehovah. I am free to live however I want to live. I submit to no man. I am a sovereign God. I do whatever I want to do. And no man tells me to do anything. I am a covenant God. I'm a covenant God. I am the God and Father of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. How many times in this chapter are we going to hear those words? because it's right at the heart of the gospel that he's, he's saying, you want to know who my name is? Go tell my people. I may, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then tell them my eternal name is Jehovah. That's what they will call me. That's what their generations will call me. I am who I am. I never change. I'm not influenced by anything around me. I refuse to give an account to human beings for my activity. I am accountable to nobody but to myself. I am who I am, and I am in complete control of the situation. 
So the word control and Jehovah go hand in hand. So here you see a great and mighty God that is the Lord God himself and his powerful presence, his powerful face, his powerful countenance is with his people. So God identifies himself as I am who I am, which is the definition of Jehovah. So from here on out, when you uh, see the word Lord in four capitalized letters underneath, you're seeing the name Jehovah. Now, the great thing about Jehovah is that he became incarnate that he took upon himself human flesh and was incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what people don't realize today when they talk about Jesus being God. Yeah, that, that's right, he's God, but who? What God is he? They don't understand that Jesus is the God of this burning bush. The voice that Moses heard from this burning bush is the same voice the disciples heard preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Same voice. I want you to turn with me to John 18. John 18, soldiers has gone out to arrest Jesus. Hundreds of soldiers. It wasn't just two or three. Hundreds of soldiers came out this night to arrest Jesus and take him later to be crucified. And so they came up, they come up to Jesus. They want to make sure it's night. They want to make sure they got the right guy. So they say to him, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you Jesus of Nazareth? And the English says, I am he. And he is in italics. Which means the word he isn't there. He only said two words. Ego, a me. Now, let me teach you a little grammar. Uh, if we want to identify ourselves as somebody, we just say two words, I am. Uh, in Greek, it's just one word. Amy, E-I-M-I, -I, means I am. But if you really want to impress somebody with who you are and emphasize who you are, say two Greek words. 
You say, ego, a me. So that's like saying, I am. Well, in Greek, that's the name of God. That's the name of Jehovah. So they came up to Jesus that night and asked him if he was Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus said, I am, emphatically. What happened next? All the hundred soldiers fell to the ground. <clears throat> Jesus unleashed the power of his name just for a few seconds. And all the soldiers fell to the ground because they were in the presence of Jehovah. So when you talk about Jesus being God, understand which God you're talking about. He's the God who spoke out of the burning bush. That my eternal name is Jehovah. I am who I am. So after identifying himself, then God calls Moses to a specific task. Gives him a specific mission. And, and the mission is, let me summarize it all. The mission is to go preach to Pharaoh and to go preach to Israel and lead them into the freedom of worship in the wilderness. That's what the Exodus was all about. That's why God wanted his people to go out into the wilderness, to have the freedom from Egyptian control or Egyptian influence, to have the freedom to worship Jehovah himself as he has commanded. So the whole motivation behind the Exodus was freedom of worship. And how is that freedom of worship to be obtained? is to be obtained by Moses preaching to Pharaoh and by preaching to Israel. So that as Moses preached to Pharaoh, God's word, God's spirit will work through that word to bend them and to break them. And as God preached to the elders of Israel, it would bring them to submission. And as the elders were brought to submission, and as the Pharaoh was broken, they would have freedom of worship, to worship God in spirit and in truth in the way that God has demanded in his word. You know, Americans like to talk about freedom of worship. But you know, there's no such thing until you've been freed to worship. Nobody has freedom of worship until Christ has set them free from the power of sin to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now let's go back and look at some things. Uh, Moses gives some excuses. He says um, in verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I? I should go to Pharaoh. That I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. God says, I'm going to give you two things. 
Don't ask me that question again. I'm going to give you my presence. I'm going to give you my name. You have nothing to fear. You have my, pre my face and you have my name. And you in and of yourself are insignificant. But with my face and my name, you can overpower the Egyptians and let them set my people free. So down in verse 16, God says to him, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Go get your uh, encyclopedia and look up all those peoples. Who were the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites? They were people of varying degrees of power. But there's a couple names in here that were some of the most powerful peoples of that day. Hittites. Hittites was one of the most powerful peoples of, of the ancient world. Nobody even knew there was any Hittites until the late 800s, 1800s. The only place anywhere where you could find a reference to the Hittites in the Bible right here, and nobody believed the Bible was accurate. So here are, uh, is a, 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 a great nation of thousands upon thousands of people in a capital city in Turkey. Uh, which capital city is hundreds of square miles Gigantic buildings, their own language, equal to Assyria and Egypt, and they even whipped Assyria and Egypt on occasion, and nobody believed they were there until the late 1800s. God says, Moses, I'm sending my people to the land of the Hittites and the Canaanites and all these other people groups. They're going to take this land. They're going to conquer it. And they're going to occupy it. And they're going to build a godly culture there. Uh, and my hand is going to exert the strength. So, God says, I'm going to bring them out of Egypt. I'm going to rescue them from this great nation. And then I'm going to take them to another nation and dispossess all these nations and give this land flowing with milk and honey 
to a bunch of sheep herders. Remember our reference to that word? You remember a couple, two or three weeks ago, uh, Joseph told the Israelites, when you go speak to the Egyptians, tell them you raise cattle. Because if, they, if you tell them they're sheep herders, they'll look down their noses at you. You can't get any lower than a sheep herder. <laughs> These sheep herders are conquering Egypt, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the most powerful nations in all the Middle East because of the exertion of the hand of God. Verse 18. And they will pay heed to what you say. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt. And you will say to him, Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, but sheep herders, formerly slaves. Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may make sacrifices to the Jehovah our God, that we may worship by means of sacrifice. Jehovah our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. Now, I'm sure that was an encouragement to Moses. God gave Moses some information that Moses could only know by revelation. He said, I want you to go. I want you to preach to Moses. Here's what I want you to say. Uh, I want you to say, preach to Pharaoh. I want you to let my people go that they might worship me in a land flowing with milk and honey. But Pharaoh is not going to permit you to go without compulsion. Now let's read some Hebrew here. Verse 19, but I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except by a strong hand. Next verse. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he'll let you go. It's going to take a strong hand to convince uh, Pharaoh. So I'm going to stretch out my hand. I am Job, the Almighty God. Verse 21. And I will grant this people favor. Now, as we read this verse, I want you to remember, sheep herders, low class sheep herders. That's what all Egyptians thought about these people. And I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. God says, I have such power that I am going to cause all the Egyptians 
to look upon you with favor. Now, how many muscles does it take to look upon somebody with favor? We're not even talking about muscles. We're talking about attitudes of the heart. And here Jehovah is saying, I have the hearts of all the Egyptians in my hand. They're not going to want to do this. They're not going to want to go along with, uh, with Moses. But I have their hearts in my hand, and I will cause them to look upon the people of Israel with favor. I love the next verse. It says in verse 21, you'll not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, and the woman who lives in her house, articles of gold and articles of silver and clothing, and you will put them on your sheep herder sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the proud and arrogant Egyptians. Plundered Egypt without a shot by the exertion of the hand of God. So when you see the, the uh, people of God leaving Egypt in the Exodus, three million or so people, uh, they're not dressed in uh, working clothes. They have Egyptian clothes on. Silk clothes, cotton, gold, silver, precious stones. They're leaving Egypt like a bunch of conquerors that just plundered a land, which is what they did. And so here you see the Exodus was a big deal. And the only reason that Pharaoh listened to Moses it's because God changed the heart of the, of, the, of the Israelites and changed the hearts of the Egyptians. One last thing. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not take the name of Jehovah in vain, either by the use of your mouth or by the behavior of your life. See, that commandment's a big commandment. Sometime get a dictionary and go through the Old Testament, see how many times it warns us about taking God's name in vain. God's name is holy. God told Moses, Moses, when you come near this burning bush, take your shoes off your feet. Because the ground on which you stand is holy ground. You're standing in the presence of a holy God who has a holy name. 
And now you must treat that dame with respect and reverence and deep worship. Don't ever use it lightly. Don't ever live in any other way other than consistent with the name of Jehovah. Jehovah does not take kindly people who take his name in vain. Understand there's a great implication about the name of God. Because of his name is Jehovah, when you're in his presence, you must take your shoes off your feet. You must come with deep reverence and and uh, respect for this God. We look at worship services today in various churches. They're loud. They're noisy. They're shallow. And you wonder what God they're worshiping. So understand the only God there is is a holy God. His name is holy. Therefore, you must live holy lives. You must be holy because he's holy in every aspect of your life. Now, what does holiness mean as it pertains to you? Holiness as it pertains to you, what does it mean with reference to God? What does it mean to say that God is holy? It is to say that God is completely self-consecrated. That God is completely self-consecrated. That God has dedicated himself entirely to himself, not to anybody else. The one person that God loves more than anybody in the whole universe is God. And therefore, because God is holy, you and I must be totally God-consecrated. Consecrated to God in every aspect of our life. With all the gifts, all the strength that God has given us, we dedicate them to Him. So here you see a very historical moment in the history of the world. And a bunch of sheep herders. Plunder. One of the mightiest nations on earth. And then occupies the land of five or six more mighty nations without firing a shot. So you don't be afraid about your enemies. You've got two of the two most important things you need, God's face and God's name. So be steadfast and immovable in the wars of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are our God and that you are active and powerful in your presence with us day in and day out. 
We praise you for becoming incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that whatever we lack to carry out the mission that you have assigned us in this life, you supply. Because you have everything under control. Holy. So, Lord, help us to be holy. For Christ's sake, amen.